Hello, welcome to an episode of uh, Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. And sorry, I forgot to ask just to confirm, but I'm going to give your name a try. It's Mike Hearn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you're here to talk about um, it's hydraulic. Uh, it's called it's called conveyor. Yeah, hydraulic conveyor. Yeah, conveyor. Yes. You know, I had to type in hydraulic conveyor desktop in order to find it because the first search result was not close. <laughs> right. SEO is something we're still working on because it's a new product, but... Uh... The idea is um, that it's sort of, you know, it conveys your application to the user, right? But, yeah. Maybe we should have gone for a, a name that can't be pronounced and has uh, missing vowels and things so we can get a better better SEO. Why, why don't you go ahead and uh, kind of give a quick introduction about what it actually is? Yeah, so Conveyor is a tool to make um, distributing desktop apps much, much easier. Uh, we say the goal is uh, to have distributing a desktop app be as easy as distributing a web app and for the user experience to be really good as well. Um, it's a new product. Uh, it's been out for less than a year, and we only added support for Flutter in February. So you probably haven't heard of us before. Uh, but the uh, you, the developer experience we're going for is effectively, um, it, it's, the, uh, it's like compiling um, a website from Markdown to static HTML. So you have some input files, and you run it through the tool, and then you upload the results to a web server, and you're done. So very, very simple. Um, and actually, Conveyor can actually upload files for you too, in some cases. So um, that's not easy to do for desktop apps. And uh, as a consequence, you know, we've been working on that uh, for a while. But it does work. And it supports not only Flutter apps, but uh, any actual any application that has special support for Flutter and Electron and JVM. But you can use it for if you want to write an app in Rust or something as well, you can do that too. Um, yeah, it takes care of a lot of the uh, annoying aspects of desktop app distribution for you. It can code sign, it can generate packages for Windows and Mac, both Intel and ARM, and also for Linux, generates devs and app repositories. It integrates auto-update for you, so you don't have to think about that. Your apps just automatically will um, update online. And it can do all of that for any OS, from any OS. So you can actually... Um, in some cases, you can distribute apps straight from your laptop with no uh, no need to master any uh, platform-specific tooling. And finally, it, it has a simple config syntax, so it abstracts the operating system for you, but you can still do OS-specific things uh, if you want to. And that's basically the value proposition. We, we just make it really, really easy to distribute a desktop app, and when it's really easy, um, you know, maybe you find it... Uh, makes more sense to bring your mobile app to the big screen by making a Flutter desktop app instead of trying to do a web port or even rewrite the app from scratch as a web web app, for example. Um, yeah, that's that's the gist, and we're always adding more features to make uh, this this goal and this vision come true. Yeah, well, I, I get so many questions. I mean, at a high level, it makes sense, and I've had to deal with cross-platform apps, so we are talking before we start recording, right? Um, we all have Macs over here, but we're delivering a Windows app uh to our client it's been nice that basically things for the most part work cross-platform in terms of the features of the app the only thing that's been a, a bother is that we're using WinSparkle, and for some weird reason WinSparkle is not working as well as it does on mac for the plugin that we're using yep and um like really not bad right like really not good i think um but the other thing too is uh code signing so like the, the question is like what what installer should i use first of all that was the first question and i had i had familiarity with inno setup yeah, yeah. Is, there inno, is it inno db setup or something i forget what's called it's called inno setup right yeah there's a bunch yeah and that one works fine because i've done it before uh but then i thought okay these guys are finance i need to be a little bit more professional and i took a look at msix which i think uh, flutter's been pushing a lot and that one was a little bit of a pain because I don't feel like paying to get a verified, which I'm pretty sure is what you need to have if you go through, if you want to get your stuff kind of signed by Microsoft. I, I didn't look into it, so maybe I'm I'm just talking right. But well, so the, right, so can, let's start with the formats and the updates, right? So Conveyor generates um, MSX files on Windows. Um, Sorry, for Windows, it can generate them on Mac OS and Linux as well, of course. And then the Windows will take care. That's like the Windows native packaging format. So Windows will take care of keeping the app up to date in the background. So it gives you Chrome style updates. 
uh, where you know even if the user isn't running the program, it will be you know the polls every eight hours or so in the background, and, and Windows will silently upgrade your app for you. Um, conveyor goes further, and it also gives you what's called what we call aggressive updates because every time the app starts, it's checking for an update, and then if there is one, it'll it'll apply that update automatically and then start the app. So you can get web-like updates in this way, um, and. You don't have to learn MSIX or anything like the like Microsoft tooling because um, Conveyor generates all that stuff for you. Um, and then on Mac OS, it uses Sparkle, and on and for Linux users, it generates a tarball um, and it generates a deb with an app repository as well for people who use Debian and Ubuntu. And we, we might add RPM and, and DNF repositories in future too. Um, code signing is definitely a huge, huge pain for desktop applications. And so, you know, we, what we've done, we spend a lot of time on making that um, less painful. Uh, in particular, you can code sign for Windows and Mac from any OS, including Linux, or you can code sign Mac from Windows, or you can code sign Windows from Mac, and, and everything is supported in every combination. So um, you can also, and you can also self-sign, uh, which uh, will generate security warnings and things on, on Mac OS. Um, but you can also do that on Windows, and we're actually improving the user experience of, of self-signed applications in the in the next release. But to eliminate all um, security issues, and especially if you're distributing to finance and so on, then yeah, it's worth buying a signing signing certificate. Um, simply because that uh, that is expected these days. It's a part of the security systems and, and how they ensure that uh, you know you're not um, distributing malware. Um, you don't have to have Windows to do that. You can um, buy these certificates without having it. You can buy them from a Mac, but um, you do have to um, you do have to pay. Now, one of the things you know we've been thinking about and researching a little bit is actually in the longer run, um, although it's not a feature that is offered by any existing system today, you know, could we um, could we, for example, sign on the behalf of other users? So um, start conveyor today is a tool. It's not a service. I should have said that. Actually, it's a command line tool. You download and run locally, and it, and it can, it's, it's an incremental build system. So you can just run it, you know, over and over, and, and experiment to get the effects you want, and test locally, and so on. And it's free to download, um, and it's uh, free for open source projects, commercial projects. Um, you, you pay for it when you uh, point it at a non-local host update URL, basically. Um, and um, but if we were to do a service version one day, then um, we've looked at doing something like sandboxing, so we could then sign sign the app. And because we're packaging it right, we know that it's running inside a sandbox, and then we know it's it can't be malware, and it's safe to uh, sign on behalf of other people. The final thing you can do, actually, to avoid the signing requirement on Windows, is um, publish to the Microsoft Store, which um, Microsoft will actually you, you still have to pay. You have to join their their developer program, but Microsoft will sign for you if you do that. Uh, and so that's um, that's another way to to go. So it's you're saying it's a tool, though. So does that mean? I mean, how do I say? Like, I'm still kind of confused about how it works, right? So I download this thing. Is it actually running on your servers and kind of pushing all my stuff over to it? Nope, it runs everything local. Um, so yeah, you're asking how it works, right? So yeah, that's bit, bit I'm so confused because it's it's how come you can do cross compile but not Flutter out of the box or not some of these other ones out of the box? Right, right, right. So so. The reason, right, so there is no magic. There's just a lot of work. <laughs> so Conveyor itself implements support for um, writing all of the package formats for each each platform. It implements uh, Apple's signing, code signing infrastructure and system, so it knows how to generate all those data formats itself. Likewise, for MSIX, it knows how to generate that um, and sign those files and do it all itself. So that was a pain. It was a pain to implement, but... Uh, you know, the upshot is that it's from the user perspective, it's super simple. You just type make site and it runs. And a, a minute or two later, you have a directory with all the files you need to upload to your web server. And it even generates a little download HTML page for you, which gives a like big green button that users can click. And it, you know, looks at the, the browser to see what OS and uh, CPU you have and, and will give the user the right download. So there is no, um, there, there are no servers behind the scenes getting your stuff. You can use it for, you know, sensitive internal apps if you want. Um, there's no need to upload or download things. It, it is just literally, it's, it's a bit old school. I've been developing a long time, and uh, the, we just implemented it in the, in the most, in some ways, the most obvious, but also maybe it's not obvious uh, way, which is we just implement all the stuff. Right? It's, these are these are sta these are stable file formats. I'm still confused about what's the magic that you guys are able to do it. I'm still not quite following. That's the part I'm still lost on. Because well, yeah. okay, so there's two. 
Okay, so there's two there's two parts, right? So um, for Flutter, we don't cross compile. Uh, if you want to compile your Flutter app to Windows binary, for example, then you know at the moment at least you need to do that um, with Windows CI. Once you've got the the output files from that process. And we have a demo um, of doing it with GitHub Actions, for example. So we've got a GitHub Action that we've launched and a, and a workflow you can just copy into your repository, and then you get the um, you get the binaries you need. And it can even run Conveyor on a Linux worker, but you don't have to do that. You can run it locally too. Um, and then what you do is you give the files for each platform to Conveyor. You put them in you put them in a location, and your config points uh, the tool towards those files. You run the tool and out pops all the files you need. And the reason it can do that is, like I said, it's it's uh, that point, it's doing all the work itself. It doesn't depend on any of Microsoft's tools, doesn't depend on any of Apple's tools. It can also sign and notarize. It will upload the, the app to Apple for notarization, wait for that to complete, download the notarized uh, app and, and ticket, and then you're ready to go. Um, so at that point, you don't, need, um, you don't need any special tooling or any special uh, setup. And for some, and now with Flutter, because of the way Flutter desktop works, you do need to compile on each platform. But for example, for other runtimes like the JVM or Electron, uh, where the, the sort of the runtime comes pre-packaged for you or pre-compiled for you, um, you, you can release everything from your laptop. You don't need any CI system or any cross-compiling at all. Okay, so it, it actually cannot cross-compile then, if I understand correctly. Well, it takes so so it's a packaging tool, right? So it takes the output of whatever of you know whatever you need to ship to the user, and then it, it takes it from there. So if you write an app, yeah, if you write like an Electron or Java app, then you're shipping jars or JavaScript files and HTML. So it takes those. With Flutter, it takes the um, you know the output of the, the build system. Now you know what we, we could go further and do cross compiling. Of, uh, we could do cross could do cross compiling. Uh, as well, that feature could be added if people want it. But at some point, you're probably going to be testing it on those platforms anyway, right? So um, you're going to have a, a VM or something around anyway for that, I would imagine. Okay, so all right. So in my head, like, because I watched the video and I had in my head that it was actually building and then and then like put, putting the setup together. So actually, it's not for Flutter. Uh, for Flutter apps, yeah, you're expected to provide like the. Uh, you invoke the build system yourself. Okay, now I got it. Okay, because when I when I watched it, like I don't know, it, it, it's like to me when I watched it. I, let's see, you have an iTerm video over here. Yeah, so those videos, I think one of the video you saw was probably packaging um, either a it's either a JVM or Electron app. And in those in those cases, yeah, you don't need to you don't need to cross compile anything because the nature of the runtimes. Yeah, yeah, generate Electron, yeah, and it does everything. Conveyor makes site and it's building all the stuff. It lets. Gotcha. Now I understand. Okay, much more clear. Right. Yeah. When you run make site, what it's doing is it downloads Electron for each platform and then bundles it together with your with your files and generates the self updating packages. So. Okay. So. Okay. That 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 makes a lot more sense because I'm like, how the heck do these guys figure out? how to build the system. So you're not building it, it's only for packaging yes. and distribution. Okay, now it's much more clear because I thought you guys had some magic sauce about how to build it. Ah, right. And I'm thinking, that's why I was like, that's why I was skeptical because I was like, how does this thing work? Are you shipping it off to a build server on your side? And that's why you're, you know, you're, you're asking. Well, I mean, we, we could ask something like that, you know, but there are already CI companies out there that do this kind of thing. And we could also do some cross compiling for some combinations, like you could compile Windows apps on Mac OS or Linux, right? You can do that. So if you are on a Mac, then compiling for Linux and, and uh, Windows is possible. But then you would run into the yeah, it would doing the opposite direction is harder. All right. So if if I were to if I wanted to say make site on my Mac machine, would I have to go to my I mean, I, I could point, I could do the building on, on Windows and so someone transfer over to my Mac, do it do it on Linux, transfer back over to my Mac. Put them in certain places. I'm guessing in the config file, I can point to where they are, run my make site, and it's going to go to those directories and then exactly. do the signing and put them up. Okay, now I got you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And actually, a conveyor can download um, the inputs from other locations. So if you've got the URL of your Windows build output or your Linux build output, then, then it will download it for you. Um, and then it can upload the results for you. So at that point, you just say go and it does a release. And then your app, <laughs> then your users will start updating automatically. Okay. Now I'm I'm much more clear about what's going on. Okay, um, yeah, it's still cool nonetheless. Because so how do, how does the Windows side work? So obviously using MSIX, uh, you're not using WinSparkle, I'm guessing. You're using something else. Well, uh, so MSIX um, is quite interesting because it's the um, it's effectively a bit like a 
Linux package, but Microsoft's take on that concept. So if you package it up this way, it's declarative, and an MSIX is effectively a special kind of zip that um, has a, some XML inside, and it's got a bunch of other things. So you can't actually make these with normal zip code, but um, you can unzip them with a, a normal zip tool to have a look at what's inside. And Windows interprets all this and understands it and uh, has the update engine built in. All Windows 10 and 11 machines have support for this. So once the app is installed, then uh, it will be kept up to date automatically. Now, we don't use MSIX um, directly. We provide a little installer XE that the user interacts with, and that's partly for familiarity and partly um, to work around bugs in old versions of Windows. So that takes care of some details for you, but it's got some very nice features. Um, and in particular, it's really great for, for apps written using frameworks like Flutter and, and Electron and Java and so on, because one of the neat tricks that Microsoft has implemented is it only downloads the files and even the parts of files you don't already have. So if you've already got a Flutter app installed through the Microsoft Store, or indeed um, it, was in, it was built with Conveyor, or was shipped in MS, MSIX format, then Windows knows that and it will um, copy the relevant files from the other applications, or even it will copy like half of the file from another application. So you'll end up only downloading the part of the app that's really unique to you, and that means you can have really, really fast install and start. You can get, I mean, we've seen, um, I, I, admittedly, you know, I, I've got a good internet connection here, but um, we've seen cases where it installs and opens a new app from scratch um, about as fast as a web page can load, which is pretty fast. Once you click the XUSO, a second or two, um, if, you're, if you're on a slow web server, then this can actually be as fast as that, uh, which is pretty radical and pretty new for desktop applications. I mean, the MSIX kind of format style thing. Are you talking about the, the way you update? Well, it's both. So yeah. the, um, the MSIX, the way it's, it works is um, every package has a, what they call a block map. So every part of every file is hashed and there's an index of all those hashes. And then Windows has a database behind the scenes of all the files that's installed that way with all their hashes and then it lines them up. So the moment it sees, oh yeah, I've already got like these blocks, it assembles them on disk while simultaneously downloading the ones it's missing. And, and then it's just like done and the app launches. Yeah, I, I noticed that when we're testing out the upgrades, it was like so fast, so efficient. Exactly. And yeah. uh, the, you know, the one thing that freaked me out, I was like, this worked too well. First time around. <laughs> well, that's good. That's what we like to hear. That's a lot of work to get to that point. Yeah, it, I understand that they put a lot of effort into it. And like now I know why they recommend it, but it was like, this worked too well, too good. There's something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> well, okay so, that, okay, so I'll tell you the catch with MSIX, which is like I said, um, old, so, some old versions of Windows. Um, and in some cases, there are bugs, um, which you need to just find and work around. Now, Conveyor does that for you. Um, uh, it's because, you know, that even when they fix bugs, right, not everyone updates Windows uh, at the same time. So, um, you know, Conveyor makes it easy to get the benefits of MSIX while missing the uh, missing the sharp edges. And, and that's a part of what um, uh, of what it's doing for you. Uh, uh, so you can, if you want, you can make these packages yourself. So you're not locked in. I should have mentioned this already. Um, Conveyor does not... Um, you know, if you start using it and want to stop, right, you're not locked into a cloud service or anything like that. You can just go and start making those package package formats in the um, old fashioned way. Um, and, and so you can transition away from it. But um, yeah, it's taking care of a lot of weird details and in particular things that you might not, you know, it, it, it works around issues you might not even be able to reproduce because we've been, yeah, we've been out in the market now for a while. So we've seen some of these and that's, uh, that's the thing. But when it works, um, and it, you know, these days it does work uh, very well because, like I said, we've done a lot of testing and, and fixing and things. Um, it's sort of yeah. It's when it, it, if you're especially if you're close to the server, it can be really magical. You like click it, and it's like it's almost like loading Gmail, right? There's like a progress bar that goes left to right in a second or two, and the app can start. Now you, you talked about the code signing. I mean, obviously, if you get your your stuff signed by Microsoft or whoever, I think they're the ones who's probably running the the root certificate, right? Maybe mm -hmm. a couple of the people, but. Um, Self-signing, you said you also support that. That means you must have a way to load in the self-signed certificate. Yes. Yeah. So when you self-sign, self-signing is kind of useful for things like, you know, open source tools or internal tools or any time when either you don't, you know, you don't care that much about um, security warnings being shown to the users or um, if you can distribute your signing certificates to end users. So, for example, inside a company, right, you can go to your IT department if you have managed, managed um computers and say, hey, can you push out this certificate and make it trusted? 
and um, Conveyor makes all of that very easy. And if you self-sign, then the download the download HTML page generates will change, and it becomes a bit less simple. It, it will give the user instructions for how to like open the app on Mac OS, um, and on uh, Windows, um, it will install the certificate for you, so that, that you are then considered a trusted um, certificate authority in effect for the purposes of your own app. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because I actually spent about I don't know, between one and a half to two days figuring out how to install the certificate for my self-signed app. Yeah. But once I figured out, I was like, okay, this is getting locked up because this process is not easy to find. And like everybody's talking about, oh yeah, you could just got to install a certificate. And it's like, okay, but I double click certificate and I click it to like auto install. or do something. Yeah, it's easy to put it in the wrong place. And... Not even that, like it doesn't, the sad part is you wish it would put it in the right place for you automatically, but it doesn't. You have to say, put it into trusted people. So anybody's listening, you want to self-sign it? Put into trusted people. Yes, <laughs> it took me many times to figure it out. This is this is exactly. I mean, so this kind of frustration is exactly why we created Conveyor, right? Because there are way too many weird details and sharp edges in this whole process normally, and 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 this is one of the things that pushes people towards doing web apps, even if sometimes it's not entirely um, appropriate. And the background of of why Conveyor was created is um, in the last ten years, I've done a lot of projects that were various kind of research projects, or um, you know, what's what the finance guys would call innovative innovation projects where we've been doing things with you know peer-to-peer -peer networks and cryptography and, and other sort of interesting security features and hardware uh, and doing this in the context of the browser is very very painful um, and what i would often find and i bash my head against this problem again and again is that you know we'd sit down and i'd make a little prototype or something and people would say but it needs to be in the browser we don't you know we don't know how to do a desktop app. or people would say how do we do this or that and i'd say well, the best way would be probably to do a desktop app. And then because it's so painful and difficult to create these and distribute it and, and people don't know how, um, you know, they would end up trying to like cram what they were doing into the constraints of the browser, even if along the way they ended up almost undermining their own vision, right? They would have, end up changing what they were doing to fit the constraints of the browser in a way that made sometimes a project kind of pointless by the end or certainly a long way from what it was meant to be. So after enough time, enough um repeats of this problem i said you know what I'm, no it's time i'm gonna i'm gonna quit my job and make a company and we're just gonna fix this so it's easy and then we'll take away that whole set of excuses and people can use the right tool for the job and so yes if you've self-signed on on with, with conveyor then the little installer xe on windows will put the certificate in the right place you just don't need to know about it and, and it will take care of that and at that point um you know your app will self-update and, and all these things are taken care of for you yeah, I, I thank you because as you it sounds like you already understand my frustration is that there's a oh, yeah. lot of caveats that people say, yeah, yeah, you can do it. But it's like, okay, but how? Yes, exactly. And they don't they don't reply or yeah. whatever. Or I find or usually I'm finding old threads, right? It's been years and it's like, well, I can't I don't know how to contact the guy. He's not coming. Yeah, there's a lot of old information. So I think I still have a Stack Overflow issue up that's not <laughs> been replied. That I need to reply yeah, to. Everyone who's done who's gone through this has that experience, right? Um, which is why, um, you know, when I when I was doing this, I thought, okay, do I take a, a you know timeout and and do this and just open source it or whatever? And I thought, no, actually, the reason that Conveyor is a commercial product is it comes with support because you know very often people need help. They've not done this kind of thing before. Um, and so when you buy it, right, you get support. And, and if you have problems, you can email us or, or we've got a Discord chat room and you can chat to us. And um, the, um, uh, you know, and, and, and that's very helpful. And what we, what we find is that that's very appreciated by our users, right, and our customers, because they want, they want to launch their app and they just want to, like, blast through problems and, and, and not be digging through Stack Overflow if they hit a problem. And, and so Conveyor takes care of most of it. And then if they have an issue with some weird library they're using or whatever, then, then they can get help from us and help them out a bit. Well, I like the fact that you guys are letting open source packages use it because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Is there actually any open source packages? I'm guessing there must be some, but sure. anything that we might know? I don't think it would be anything you would know. Um, they're not big names. They're mostly cases where... Yeah, people wrote a. There's like there's some open source uh, Java programs. There's a couple of Electron ones, um, and they're mostly cases where people were just like, yeah, I I just want to write a little utility and get it up there so it's easy for people to download, and I don't want to waste a lot of time on it because it's not a, a big effort. Right? But what we have done actually is um, we when we were adding Electron support, we 
uh, repackaged GitHub Desktop. And so we've got a we've got a we've got a repository and a blog post where we take you through like how do you convert an app to use Conveyor if it's big and complicated and has lots of features and has been around a long time. And GitHub Desktop, um, you know, it was a good fit for that. Um, and the nice thing about that is you can delete a lot of code at the end. Like the blog post says, okay, you start by you know here's a config for it and this is how it works. And at the end you can delete something like ten thousand lines of code. I can't remember it was huge, but um, because Conveyor is so much simpler. Yeah, and then um, I also like the fact that you guys can you can try everything out locally before you throw down the money. That's that's pretty cool too. Yeah, exactly. It's it's um, it's designed so you can easily mess about and see if it works with your app and try things out, right? And then once you know that you're ready to go, uh, that's the that's the moment at which you pay if you're if you're distributing commercial apps. So the other nice thing is you can overlap it. Like so, you can if you think once you've decided this is going to work and we're going to do this, you can get someone else to go pay for it, right? And while they're, while the um, the expenses process is rolling or whatever it is inside your company, you can keep working um, and then um, uh, and then go for it. And then, well, actually, when you buy it, you get a pack of three apps, so you can actually use, use uh, Convert for more than one app. Yeah, I saw that, three apps. Why three? Why not do one by one or, or something like that? Um, well, that's a good question. And we're, you know, we might experiment a bit with the pricing to see what works better for people. But the idea was... Um, Originally, because we said, well, we want to make this super easy, if we make it easier, people will do it more. So the idea is once you've discovered how easy it is now, then the next step is you say, maybe I make another desktop app, actually. And we, we wanted to, like, you know, get people into this mindset of saying, now it's easy, we can do it a lot more. The other one is that um, if you want, like, a separate uh, beta track, for example, which updates on a different schedule and has different code and so on, then that's considered to be a different app because it's a different download and update site, basically. Um, so some some users um, they use their additional um, like free apps to do uh, you know daily dev builds for internal people and beta builds for early adopters and things and and, and each one of those is considered a separate app. That's good. How, how's the feedback been? I mean, have you guys? I'm guessing the first time you you let out into the wild, you got a lot of interesting bugs, people doing weird things, right? Yes. Um, well, like I said, so a lot of the conveyor value proposition is actually that we. You know, we hit these weird bugs and we work around them for you because um, one of the, uh, you know, the, the browsers have many limitations, right? But one of the advantages of something like Chrome is that um, it's very consistent across platforms. And we're, we're sort of bringing that level of consistency to the desktop distribution experience too. So when we released it, um, it's very, it's interesting. We got a lot of great feedback. Um, our customers and our users tend to um, come to us a bit shell-shocked. Like they, what they, what usually happens is they start with like trying to use the free tools and, and do everything themselves because they sort of read the tutorial of their framework or whatever and it says, oh, you know, here's the distribution section which comes last. Use this tool, use the Apple tools, you know, do figure something out yourself for Linux. And then they, they think, oh, well, how hard can it be? Because they haven't done it before. So go down this, this path of trying to do it themselves. And then eventually get like, they just think this is insane. And then they somehow find out about us and that's something that we, we're working on improving because that's a you know how do you find out about this right it's not so easy so then they come and say this is like my this is the final straw i need this to work they use it it works and then they're super super happy um and even what we found is that um we haven't lost a single user or customer yet actually every single person who starts using conveyor sticks with it uh, which is really nice even if they do encounter bugs or we have to improve the products or fix things in a certain way right it's still better than the alternatives um and so yeah we we've got some testimonials on the website where people have expressed this sort of um you know this this sort of sentiment right like finally <laughs> So glad you guys exist now because finally we can get this sorted. Yeah, I, there is just a lot of caveats you have to be careful about. That's what I ran into. So, and and, and like I said, no, seeing your reactions, like okay, obviously you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, I think it's a lot of like um, the equivalent in the web world is the you know cloud providers where. Um, you know, you start, you say, oh, I want to make a web app and it starts out very easy and you, 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 you're going fast, you make some HTML or JavaScript or whatever, or, um, you know, you start with Flutter and, and you do a UI and then you want a backend and suddenly there's this universal complexity that hits you with respect to like databases and backups and, and replication and scaling and so on. And so the cloud guys come in and say, we'll take care of that for you. And then people say, thank you very much. That simplifies it a lot. Um, and there hasn't been an equivalent of that up until now for, um, the, the distribution on the desktop side and 
like I said, Conveyor is not a cloud service. It's It runs locally. It's a tool, and that has all kinds of advantages in terms of latency and privacy and, and so on, which is why it works that way. Um, but the, the the gist of it is the same, right? You use this product to take away all of that complexity and, and let, um, let let other people get the battle scars for you. To me, I would I would actually relate to um, like CSS tags. Like sometimes they're supported in some browsers, sometimes not. Yep. And sometimes you have to add in this weird stuff to make it all work. To me, front end is each browser has got some pain to it. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, for sure. If you, if you stick to like one browser, then you're fine. But in the real world, you, you target many, and then then the inconsistency starts to add it's up. Yeah. Still mostly Chrome. Luckily, Microsoft did the nice thing, and they 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 took Chrome Chromium underneath the hood, which was kind of nice. But no, uh, but yeah, you still have uh, Safari and Firefox to deal with and Brave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think over time, you know, the vision of the product is to just chip away at more and more of those things and and you know try and get it to that point where we're just getting rid of ever more complexity. Hence why I mentioned earlier, you know, what can we do about code signing? Well, it's a security feature. So you can also solve that in the same way the web does with um, with sandboxing. That's a, that's a, you know, a kind of a research project. I don't know if that will launch. It's something we have to evaluate and look at demand and things. Yeah, for the JVM one, that means that like, like uh, IntelliJ or these other kinds of Java-based systems, you can just package them up pretty easily, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for them, you don't have to do any compilation, right? You just go straight from your laptop. And actually, we've been talking to um, the JetBrains guys because um, they what they have is a lot of students who start learning programming with their IDs, and then they 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 pick something. I don't. I haven't heard so much about Flutter, but they you know they some they start with like Java because it's been taught in universities. Maybe in future that'll be Flutter instead. Um, and they make great progress and they, they make something that looks good and it's easier for them than the web stack because it's, you know, one language and it's it's consistent and so on. But then they want to show people what they've made. They want to send it to their friends and family and they immediately hit this like brick wall of distribution and pain. And then they say, oh, okay, well, everyone's telling me I should throw everything away that I've learned and, you know, start again with, with HTML. And then you've got multiple languages to learn, right? Because it's, it's markup and JavaScript and CSS and then on the back end, maybe a different language again. So it becomes very complex. Uh, so what they would like, um, you know, we've talked about working together, such that uh, if, you, if you're just working on something, you just push a button, it uploads to GitHub, so your app is open source, you then qualify for a free license, and then Conveyor like, packages it and releases to GitHub releases, which it can do, and, you know, out pops a HTML page uh, that you can just direct your users to on GitHub pages, for example, they press download and, and off it goes. Um, We've been working on that for a while, uh, getting there like incrementally, release by release. We've been chipping away at that, getting a little closer. For example, the last release will now draw icons for you because one of the many little caveats and catches that, that crops up when you do a desktop app right, uh, versus um, a web app is now you have to draw a nice icon. And, and it's, you don't think about it, but every platform has its own formats and its own visual styles, and maybe you're not an artist. So Conveyor will actually generate um, a reasonable default icon for you now and it can render SVGs, and, and you know you don't have to think about the platform-specific formats. And again, it can do that because it does everything itself. It implements the icon formats and things itself. So with all that, now you know you're, we're, we're much closer to saying, here's a here's a standard project that you haven't done anything to, and press go and, and have an updating and downloading um, experience that's, that's really nice. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to think about you know it. It seems like it, everything works out of the box and. I'm trying to think, uh, you know, are, are you just stopping at this piece or do you plan to expand into doing a little bit more, right? Because, I mean, because like you're already doing, I mean, it wouldn't be out of the question to actually offer cloud CI build for customers, right? Is it something that you'd be looking at because that'd be a full solution, right? Yes. Um, it's something we think about. Oh, actually, I was talking to the Code Magic guys um, just a few weeks ago about a potential partnership. Um, at the moment, uh, it's easy enough to, um, at least for open source apps, it's easy enough to use GitHub uh, Actions to do this. Um, most companies will have a CI uh, service already in place, we think. But um, especially for the smaller or more casual apps where you don't want to set that up, uh, we could we could offer something like that relatively easily. Um, 
it, it, we, we have a lot of plans. The question is really what we can find demand for. At the moment, um, you know, we have, we've got some more features in preparation for the next release, but our primary effort at the moment has to be things like fixing SEO. And um, as you mentioned, right, we don't even show up if you search for the product name at the moment because uh, you get shown actual conveyor belts. Um, and there's a bunch of other things we can do to improve um, awareness in the community, like podcasts. For example, uh, what, so in terms of uh, future features, we're mostly at the moment we're trying to ensure that we support all the frameworks that we, uh, you know, that we've got awareness in all the communities, um, and, and in this way we can drive adoption uh, and make make sure that uh, you know we grow nicely as a company. No, no, no. I was just I was just looking at all the stuff you have. You have quite a few. You have a nice Flutter demo over here. Just seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. We've got tutorials and things for, you know, you create a standard Flutter app and then you put some uh, config file in place and you can also set up actions and so on for CI if you want. And then at the end, you get like the download site with everything you need. Um, one, one of the things that, um, you know, we, we, we actually have, so when um, Hydraulic was created, we actually have a whole plan, a whole roadmap that goes well beyond just desktop app packaging. Um, and it actually takes uh, it actually takes us into the realm of almost like a new web-like platform, which tries to resolve some of the problems of the web. And we've got a design document for this, which I actually shared with the tech leader Flutter just a couple of days ago, just to see what he thought. And um, you know, the idea is rather than try and make web browsers handle Flutter apps better, which is difficult for various political reasons mostly, um, you actually say, well, what? Do, how do we just go from the current desktop experience and, and iteratively make it better and better and better until you've got something that's almost a bit like a web browser or a bit like the web, but um, which is much more open to alternative app frameworks and uh, whilst also solving things like crawling and indexing and linking and sandboxing and all these things. Um, I don't think, uh, I mean, at the moment we're not working on it because there's no business model that we can find for that right now. Um, most platforms like Flutter and so on and, and the web um, depend on patronage, basically, right? They're sort of funded by rich companies that just want them to exist. Uh, and so any alternative would also need to either find a business model um, or find a patron. But um, it's a sort of interest, you know, it, it, it sort of guides our thinking a little bit about uh, where we take the product in the future. And so, for example, when I mentioned sandboxing, you know, you can you can take you can start reusing, for example, the Chrome sandboxing code to simplify distribution even further if you uh, if you can get rid of the code signing requirement, and then you can start to you know, have some support for transiency, for example, apps that uninstall themselves if you don't use them, so the user doesn't have to clean up apps, and you can tell them that, so they they're more willing to install them in the first place and things like that. All right, uh, we 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 heard a lot of the good talk right now. Let's hear some of the negativity, right? Sorry, I, I know there must, there can't be a silver bullet for, for everything, right? Like what kinds of things where this maybe is not a good fit? I mean, there must be something, right? Maybe I'm too negative in my comment, but I'm saying like, the, I want to hear the other side too, because. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah. okay. So obviously the first. Uh, What's the catch? <laughs> you know, we're, we're all engineers, right? There's always trade-offs. Everything is trade-offs. So. Well, the, okay, so the most obvious catch, firstly, is this is uh, it's not an open source product, it's, it's a commercial product. So if that's a, you know, a problem, then that's just, you know, a problem and you're not going to get a solution for that. So that's a, that's a big one. And we do actually offer a source license. We haven't had any takers yet, but if you wanted the source very badly for some reason, you could buy it from us. Um, but that's, that's the main caveat. The second one is... Um, uh, we only currently support, we only currently generate um, Debian packages and app repositories. We don't do, like, there's this long tail of Linux distributions, right? The obvious one to add next would be um, Red Hat or possibly something like Flatpak on Linux. So our Linux format support is um, is okay. You know, a lot of users are on Ubuntu and so on, and it works great for them, but um, it's not as complete. Um, the main reason we haven't done Flatpak is that yeah, like always with Linux, this ecosystem is split, right? Ubuntu does not use it. And um, also it's mandatory sandboxing, which can break applications um, if they don't support all of the new APIs that have been added for that. So that's a catch. Um, of course, nothing stops you making your flat pack separately, right? You, just because you use conveyor doesn't mean, again, you're not locked into it. So, so you could also do the extra work yourself, but the product doesn't do that for you. Um, and then, um, the other negative parts, I think, I guess that's it. 
That's, there isn't a whole lot. It's, it's a pretty straightforward kind of tool, right? It's about just making developers' lives easier. There's not a whole lot of catches. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess the main one would be that it doesn't build your app for you. So as you mentioned, it's not a complete solution uh, for Flutter or C++ apps um, at the moment without cross-compiling or CI. For Flutter, I suspect, uh, in many cases, you don't actually need to compile the app at all. That's something that we might look at if there's demand. If demand picks up from the Flutter community, of course, we can spend more time on, on solving problems for the Flutter community. And for example, the native code components of each app are pretty boilerplate, right? Like the, the tooling creates them, but you don't need to edit the C++ side on Windows unless you know you want to achieve some special effect. So one thing we, we could look at doing is recognizing that you haven't altered that and, and you know, you're only changing the Dart code. Um, and then combine it with a pre-compiled version, for example. That's the kind of thing I think we would look at rather than, than integrating with a CI tool. In any case, yeah, I mean, it would be great if, if they had like a one-stop solution because that's the one thing that's bugging me. I mean, signing, yeah, that's definitely another issue. But once you have it padded down, like I've just been writing for curious notes, like keeping notes, keeping backups, everything, kind of writing stuff down, read me's and, and wikis, et cetera. It helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we've, we've done a lot of work on in making co-signing easier so far. Um, so, for example, um, Conveyor can generate um, all of the keys that you need for every platform from a single root key. I don't know if you ever encountered Bitcoin wallets or used wallet software from the cryptocurrency community, but they have this trick where um, you can represent a private key as words. And, and instead of representing it as a huge hex number or something like that, it's translated into a series of English words, which you can then like much more easily write down with a pen and paper, right? Because that's what you're used to dealing with. And so um, Conveyor uses the same system. And when you generate it, it can actually, if you've already got signing keys, that's fine. You just supply them. But if you're new to desktop development, um, you only have to back up this one root key, which, as I said, you can actually write down with a pen and paper. Um, and then it will uh, generate all the rest of the things for you. And then it can generate the CSR files that you need to upload to the certificate authorities that you don't need any particular OS for. So you can actually acquire all the certificates uh, you need um, just using a web browser and a credit card uh, with that. And at that point, you, you can take the files that Conveyor generates, upload them, go through the ID verification procedure that each CA has. And they, they will turn to you the certificate files, which you then just drop in the right place and, and you're in action. Um, so that simplifies things a lot. Uh, you don't have to muck about with open SSL and command line tools to generate keys and, and back them up in each lots of different formats. Um, you, you just have this one line of text and that's all you need. Oh, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the only other thing is, yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought what I was, what I was thinking about. Um, I, I still keep thinking about the Linux format one. Yeah, that is really a pain. That's I remember there's this talk on on YouTube called like Linux sucks. I think. <laughs> Have you seen well, this one? I know, no, I haven't. Yeah, but what? But he's just bringing out genuine like concerns about Linux, and of course, the biggest one I think is like, what's the standard for packaging my app? Yeah, well, it was ever thus. I was I was actually um, twenty years ago or so. I worked on an open source program on, on Linux, which um, it was a packaging tool for Linux specifically. And it was trying to solve this problem of every distribution using its own system. It was a sort of like, um, you, you could create one of those and it would figure out what it had to do on each on each distribution, um, almost like an installer. Uh, and it didn't really take off, but uh, the, eventually some of the ideas kind of reappeared in the form of Docker with a more elegant implementation, but it was the same idea, right? You ship what you need with the app and, and you have a format that isn't specific to any distribution and so on. Um, so Linux has always been this way and it probably always will be this way. I think after 20 years or so and it hasn't changed, it's it's not going to. Um, so people say that's the benefit, right? You don't want, you know, this lock-in, right? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, I mean, it allows them to try out different things and experiment and, uh, you know, some of the tech is, is quite nice as a consequence, but um, it is a bit of a pain for developers who just want to ship their software, for sure. Uh, this is why, you know, like I said, we do, we do Debian stuff and, and it has some features that integrate quite well. So, for example, um, if you are using native libraries that come with EOS, then... Um, Conveyor detects that and it looks at what package dependencies should be and it generates all the package dependencies for you. So the user can install your, your package and then it will pull in all of the dependencies and the operating system will keep those up to date and so on. And that's all, again, that's done automatically. You can control it if you want, but um, by default, it works out the right answers for you. Um, 
but yeah, the, the long tail of all the different formats is kind of expensive to support. So unless there's uh, yeah, unless customers turn up and start saying we want this, then um, that's going to remain a sort of a you know we, we add we add support for extra formats when we have time. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. Like I've been playing with my Steam Deck recently, and they're big supporters of flat packs, and that's probably the first time I've heard of a flat pack. I'm usually an Ubuntu kind of guy, mm. so yeah, sure, they... all Debian packages. So this flat pack thing, what is that? Yeah. I, mean, I think I, yeah, I've seen RPMs before and then I forgot what else I use. But... Yeah, Ubuntu also has this flat pack-like thing called Snap. Yeah, Snap I've heard of recently, yeah. Yeah, so it's locked to Canonical's App Store, which is uh, which one thing. I mean, one of, I think one of the, the I mean, rather than adding more support for Linux formats, probably the next thing um, we're looking at is actually um, the Microsoft and Apple App Stores. So automating the process of publishing through those. Currently, conveyor, you know, you just need a web server. It distributes, it helps you distribute apps outside the stores. But um, there's no deep reason it must be so. And, and we can easily um, upload uh, things to like the Microsoft Store and the Apple Store if you want. And I just remember my question. My question uh, before I was going to ask was about um, the browser detection. Like, how, how good is that? Because like, if I remember correctly, everybody still says that they're Netscape in the browser. <laughs> well, so it works well in Chrome. <laughs> um, it, so, uh, um, yes. So Chrome... Because browsers basically tell you wh whatever they want to tell you. Like, you have no control. Yeah, yeah. Well, on Chrome, it's fine. So you can ask uh, the browser what operating system and CPU architecture are you, mm -hmm. and then you get the right download button. Safari, um, for you know privacy reasons, always claims to be Intel, even if you're running on Apple Silicon. Interesting. And so at that point, um, you know, we offer two. We, you know, the page has two download buttons. You don't have to use this HTML page, of course. It's just a convenience. You can provide your own download buttons and your own download page if you want. Um, but it does mean the user has to know what CPU they have. Um, I think, knows. well, you know, <laughs> nobody really knows. In future, um, what we'll probably do is, um, you know, make make apps fat for you by default and things like that. Um, so that, I thought most of the time it's like universal, but I guess it depends on your build, right? It depends. Yeah. So, for example, for Electron and JVM apps, right, like the runtimes, because they're very large, they get distributed as like CPU specific, and then you pick the right one. But um, well, the other thing we've looked at is um, actually doing a little installer for macOS. So a universal installer that figures out the right one and only downloads that because the faster the download is, then the more users succeed and the more users will do it. You can also, if you control the download and extraction code, um, you can actually also use better compression algorithms than what macOS supports and things like that. So that's something we might do in future. Um, but at the moment, yeah, what you get is uh, um, the user is asked if they're on Safari. Yeah, I've also heard that, um, and even to get like the auto updater working within, like if you want to write something that would get the auto updates, you have to write like a separate package and everything else or, or a separate service or something. There's a lot of goofiness with it. Well, we integrate Sparkle for you, right? So with one of the one of the things that Conveyor does better than other tools is you don't need to alter any of your code to get online updates. Um, it just works out of the box. Uh, and on macOS, what we do is we inject Sparkle into your app um, and yes, Sparkle contains like multiple sub apps and things, and we put them in all the right places and make sure they get signed and, and so on. So you don't have to worry about that. You just, uh, in fact, you don't even have to think about Sparkle at all. Um, the only thing you have to say is what update mode you want, right? If you want like background updates or if you want um, update on launch, where that's that's useful if you've got a protocol, like your your app is a front end to some server and and you know you're updating the protocol quite often, then. Um, uh, then you want your app to always be fresh, right? You don't want to have to support older versions of your clients. Okay. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, now that I, I finally understand, because I think what threw me off is one of the, the titles on here, which is about build your package. I was thinking that means build your app, but it actually means build your, your package. Good, good app, feedback. Basically. Good feedback. Thank you. Yes. We... Yeah. So that's why I was confused. And, and yeah, yeah, so we... We think of it as a build system because it's actually it's doing a lot of tasks in parallel and it has dependency tracking for the different tasks and so on. But yeah, it's not actually compiling yeah. your app. Um, this is something that only really started to matter with when we added Flutter support because yeah, the other frameworks you don't compile anything. But um, this is yeah, that's that good feedback. Thank you. We can definitely tweak the wording there. And um, as you were saying before we started recording, right, we need more video material and, and more. Um, you know, show, don't tell kind of uh, tutorials. Um, that's definitely on the list of things to do.
Yeah, because I don't even know what you would even call this kind of thing. I mean, I guess it is like a, I don't know, what would you call it? Build your oh, yeah, packaging yeah, tool, packaging I guess. Tool. Something like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're right. There's not much out there that's yeah. like it. So it's a bit hard to explain Definitely. exactly what it does. In, in the usually that'd be part of your CI service, right? Build the package after you build the, the service. That's what I think at least. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you follow like the GitHub Action tutorial we have, what you end up with is um, CI, you know, CI tasks that build on each OS, and then one that runs on Linux because Linux is the cheapest and fastest, basically. And then it runs conveyor, and, and it takes. Um, yes. So the, um, the 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 Linux worker is the one responsible for generating all of the packages and signing them and, and so on, and, and that works well because you know Linux workers are very plentiful and cheap and a Mac worker on, on GitHub Actions will cost 10x what a Linux worker does. So you, you really want to have be using it for as less time as possible just to save that money. Um, and with Conveyor, you know, you, you can do that, right? And all of the work of notarizing and stuff can be done on, on Linux. Okay. Yeah, otherwise, um, I, I'm pretty clear on what it is. It makes much more sense now. And hmm. uh, I can imagine this would be something that a lot of IT teams would love to have, even for consultancies if they have consistent clients that want a desktop app i mean i think it's it's perfect hmm. i think it's also really useful for things like internal apps and dashboards and things um especially the msix i mean you mentioned at the start actually you were talking about how you know in a setup is that really good to distribute to financial clients and banks and so on and the answer is well no no not really because um the first thing a big IT department is going to do because they need consistency is they're going to unwrap your installer and turn it into an MSIX, right? Um, and, and Microsoft have tools that will do this kind of semi-automatically, but of course it's a bit of a hack, right? Be, uh, uh, by using MSIX natively as its own format, Conveyor makes it way, way easier to get desktop apps deployed inside organizations because suddenly, you know, that, that IT department can just point windows at your, um, the, the download site that it generated for you, that the conveyor generated for you, and then push it out over their network. And because it's all declarative, it can Windows can even do tricks like it'll make it appear in your start menu without it actually being installed and things like that. You can, the moment you click it, it, it is pulled down automatically, um, and it, it means that they can control um, the update schedule if they need, and um, it integrates with Intune and Act, um, Active Directory and, and other common Windows admin tools. So um, it, it eliminates enormous headaches for IT departments to, if you distribute your software in this way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for, I mean, 550 sounds like a lot, but and when you, you actually go through and you break it down, like, well, if you see the average you know, price of a developer in US times eight, it's actually a little bit cheaper than, than yep. two days is what you put down here. Yeah, exactly. So we, yeah, we phrase and say, like, if you spend more than two days on trying to figure this stuff out yourself, that's, you've already spent more money than you would have spent on just buying the products. Well, yeah, in general, I mean, in total, the amount of time I spent trying to figure out Windows desktop stuff. I and, bet it's more than two Mac, days. It's been probably, let's just, let's just be generous and say two weeks. Yeah, exactly. So the, the interesting yeah. thing about making developer tools is it, it's a very tough market, right? Because we, as developers, and I've been in that position, we tend to like zero rate our own time mentally, especially inside people if you work yeah. inside a large company. We just think, okay, I've got a task, I'm getting my salary, so like I'm just going to just do it, and, and no matter how much time it takes, that's whatever it costs, right? Um, so most of our customers are smaller companies because in small companies, people are much more aware of this trade-off, um, and, and they will they're much more likely to say if there's a tool that saves me time then it's a no-brainer. And as you said, right, your case is completely typical. There's nothing nothing unusual about that. You know, two weeks, is, if anything, is um, pretty fast, I would say. Uh, so it, it's definitely worth it in terms of the cost of your time. Well, I mean, luckily I spent, uh, I mean, the, the thing with me is I'm just flat out curious. <laughs> yeah. So like it, it kind of was like a twofer at this point. And then like now I know how it all works and, and I have these scripts ready to go. So the next time I need to make this kind of app, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Right. I, I got it all ready to go. Uh, I mean, I would definitely consider something like this um, if I had consistent clients that needed a desktop app. I think that's totally fine. Uh, I don't necessarily at the moment. This is our first round for this, guys. But if things go well, then maybe we'll look into this. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, still, I mean, the only thing that's stopping us right now is just everybody. So I'm the only one here with an Intel Mac. Everybody else has, has an mm -hmm. M1. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing that's stopping us. It's like I'm the build guy <laughs> for the time. <laughs> right, right, right. Yep. Yep. So that's so, the only thing that's like that's causing us a problem is is I can't farm that out. So that I, getting the CI going for that one would be my next thing. Uh, yeah, 
Well, uh, you should be able to compile for Intel on an ARM Mac, I think. Well, um, supposedly, but so they have uh, Windows 11 on their machine, but oh, they were unable to run. I think some of the plugins for some reason weren't, weren't working properly. Ah, uh, yeah, for, for ARM. You mean right, running Windows? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. if I remember correctly, that was what the issue was. I think it was actually Sparkle that was actually causing the issue. If yeah, I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, so this might allow you to, to, to solve that problem, right? And, and then, you, then you can finally upgrade to an M1 Mac too. Um, yeah, well, I have an M1. Like I was thinking about using that sometimes just because I don't have most of these issues. Mm, I mean, mm. I think about 95 to 99% of the issues mm. have been solved. Yep. But there's still like these random things that yeah. happen. So this is the kind of pain that, you know, the goal of, of our company is to just get rid of this pain. Right. You shouldn't have to think about like what CPU am I using and am I, am I the build guy and all that stuff, right? Um, with uh, yeah, with with other frameworks, it's mostly there because they don't um, have a native code component in the same way Flutter Desktop does. But that's a solvable problem. And uh, yeah, with um, yeah, if we if we were successful in getting and attracting customers, and, and well, we've got some already, but successful in growing and attracting more in the Flutter ecosystem, that's absolutely the kind of problem we could just sit down and solve. Um, it's not. It's just. It's just a matter of programming in the end. Right? It's not fundamental. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. I'm. I'm pretty stoked about this. Now I understand what it is. And uh, yeah, yeah, I kind of. You can get rid of all. Get rid of all your hacky scripts. <laughs> yeah. Now that I figured out all the hard things, it's like, well, thanks for telling me now. <laughs> yeah. You know, sorry like, about that. We didn't. After you messed up a couple of times, you know that feeling when you after it took you a long time to do it, and you messed up a few times, and then somebody walks by and says, "Why don't you just do it that way?" And you're like, "Yeah. Well, thanks for telling me now. I figured it out." <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry way. about that. Yeah, but at least uh, you know you can get rid of all of your like scripts and things. And, and no, those are gold, them. right? I'm gonna sell these. <laughs> okay, maybe we're gonna be competitors then. We'll see. Yeah, I'm gonna sell these now. Mm-hmm. These are these are gold because I realized really, like I said, I, finding out where to how to install this certificate. I'm so surprised because everybody's like, yeah, just install it and it goes in your your thing. Nobody tells you which storage, and no. I, I was shocked. Even on Microsoft thing, they don't tell you. Uh, the The documentation is not always great. I, I agree. Yeah, um, but like, ideal. and uh, I used a tool to generate the certificate because, like, running on the the PowerShell was not simple. No. And then I used the same tool to install it, and then it, you know how I found out how to, I found out which one it was by hand. I was just I went yeah, through and found all my certificates and just yeah. uns, just not un- uninstall everything, but uninstall all the ones that got installed from mine. So all the ones signed with my company, I just, for some reason, it put them in a bunch of different stores. I'm not too sure why, but I found the one store that was stopping it from being installed mm-hmm. and that was trusted people. Yep. And that was, that was it. Well, right. So this is the kind of thing that is like not um, core to your business, right? That's why it makes sense to outsource it when possible. But yeah, it's, apologies. We didn't get launched sooner. We've been, like I said, working our way through the different frameworks. But uh, Well, this is a recent thing, but, but in any case, like... Yeah. Again, I don't even know how to even find this kind of thing because, like, I just look to see what Flutter says. Yes, and they're like, "Oh yeah, dude, you know, you build MSIX. Okay, right. cool. So this is and this is one of the sign it, and it's like, okay, cool. But this is, this is definitely one of the things that you know we we, we I, I talked to um one of the Flutter uh, one of the people who's is running Flutter about like could we be mentioned in the documentation because that's how people find these tools, but um. They yeah they were they were not keen they seem to think there's some sort of like slippery slope or something like that where everybody everybody yeah. would want to be mentioned in the docs I don't know so of it's, it's it's quite hard to know how to let get people to be aware of what we're doing um, that's definitely challenge numero uno for us no I understand there the one thing I mean I don't know if you, it's good or bad I I don't know but what I do notice about Flutter is that they try their best to not show favoritism mm, mm. you can take it how you want to take it. Well, I get that. But, I totally understand. Yeah. I totally understand why they want to have that position. But yeah, it definitely means that um yeah, if there's a if there's a solution out there that can save people time, you just won't necessarily even find out that it exists, right? Unless you're very deep into that community and, and follow it and all this. So let's I think this is a good way to, to start to wind it down, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry to, to ask you, but do, do you have any competitors? Um well, I mean every yeah, on, on basically every framework has its own um, like freebie tools that try to do this. They're mostly just wrappers around the native tools. So they're going to, you know, give you a JSON file and then they'll invoke the native tools on each platform and you have to run it on Windows and Mac and Linux. And then if anything goes wrong, what you see is the error message from the underlying tool. Um, but, you know, they're open source and they're free and because they don't, um, 
really abstract very much, right? They tend to have plugins for every format you can imagine and so on. So th those are our primary competitors. Um, you know, we've taken a very different approach. We say we're more restrained in um, how many formats we generate and things, but it works on any platform and there's a lot of like usability work that's gone into the product. So it's all about simplicity, really. The focus is more on um, being a lot simpler than those tools. Um, and taking care of a lot of the details for you. And then the, the flip side is, uh, yeah, like if you want um, some obscure format on Linux or whatever, then, then we don't do that currently. Um, but those are our primary competitors. It's the, the, the tutorials and the free tools and so on, the, the, the platform tools. Okay. Yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to say? Because we're kind of uh, a little bit over over time. No, no, I think, oh, thanks very much for uh, inviting me to, to chat with you. It's, for, it's great. You know, we, we've had a, a nice welcome, actually, from the Flutter community so far. Um, yeah. People have tried it out and, and said, this is exactly what we were looking for. This is great. Thank you so much. And we've been made to feel very welcome. And now, now you know, our challenge is get out there and, and help ensure everyone knows about us. So thank you very much. And, yeah, it's been a pleasure to come on. Yeah, great. Thank you for uh, for coming on and telling us about us and making it clear to me because I I, I read it not quite clear about right. what it was. We'll, we'll, so I'm marketing, happy. <laughs> marketing always tough for developer tools companies, yeah. so we'll we'll get that improved. Cool. Well, thank you again for coming on, and uh, yeah, any new updates? Maybe feel free to come back on and let us know how it's going. Definitely will do. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm.